joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blissful Living. This is the queen of feeling fabulous, Rochelle Marie Lawson. And I want to welcome you to today's show. As you know, I am your host extraordinaire, but um, we have in store for you a really good show today. The guest is uh, Richard Lowe, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him and what we're going to discuss Um, A lot of you out there in business or on uh, social media or uh, budding entrepreneurs, so to speak, or um, just want to dibble and dabble, you probably want to stay tuned because he's going to give us some good information. But also, it's a great time to pull up a chair, piece of paper, something to write with so that you can take notes with regards to the nuggets of gold that Richard is going to share with us. Now... Um, before we get started, I want to take the time to thank our sponsors of the show. The first one is the Health Healing and Wellness Company, and they are a holistic health and wellness company um, that focuses on balancing the mind, body, and spirit because they know that this is the key to optimal health and well-being. They also know that a natural and holistic path to well-being is the best path to well-being because it encompasses the well-being of the whole individual versus just individual parts of the person, and they do this based on the principles um, and the science of Ayurveda. Now, at the Health, Healing, and Wellness Company, they specialize in helping people to restore their vitality, stop and actually reverse the aging process. They help you to lose the weight that you have picked up over the years and to get back to your ideal weight and maintain that successfully. They help you to bring clarity to your mind, focus uh, to your body, helps with the de- uh, detoxification, and any other aspect of health and being that you might be suffering from, or it's, whether it's eating, you having problems exercising, lifestyle um, management, stress management, anger management, or you just want to really encompass of being healthy and well, then I highly suggest that you connect with the Health Healing and Wellness Company. They also offer luxury wellness retreats, luxury wellness VIP days, customized luxurious body therapies, as well as customized wellness plans of care. And you can connect with them at healthhealingwellness.com. Again, that's healthhealingwellness.com. The second sponsor for today's show is a telecommunications installation company that has been in business for over 26 years, located in Northern California, San Francisco Bay Area. The company is All Day Cable Incorporated, and what they do is specialize in voice data fiber optic cable installation, as well as wireless systems, uh, electronic monitoring systems, speaker systems, and anything that goes along with helping you or the business to operate with efficiency when it comes to telecommunications. Their model is they make the right connections. However, for you, making the right connections the first time saves a tremendous amount of money and headache and time um, in the long run. So if you're looking for a great telecommunications installation company that has survived the downfalls from 1990 to 2016, um, and they're still rolling today with some very, very, uh, very 
large corporations, then I highly suggest you connect with them at alldaycableinc.com. Again, that's alldaycableinc.com. Lastly, I want to give you a recommended book to read that's on our site. You can click on that link and go directly to the book by Courtney Ottmanson called Teachings from God, Greeting Your Soul and Revealing the Divine Within You. Uh, Courtney was a guest on the show, and she revealed that she wrote this book when she was at the ripe age of 19. And so um, it's very awakening, very enlightening, and full of some really good information that can help all of us. So just click on that link and go pick up Courtney's book and uh enlighten and brighten your way as you travel down your path to bliss. Now, let me tell you about today's guest. And um we're talk we're going to call this show Focus Your Personal Branding and we're going to specifically focus with regards to personal branding on LinkedIn. And I know a ton of you out there have heard of LinkedIn and if you haven't heard of LinkedIn, then you definitely want to stay tuned so you can learn more about it and how it can help you uh stand out and appear in the world. Now, Richard, <clears throat> this is, let me tell a little bit about Richard. Richard Lowe, after spending over 33 years in the computer and information technology industry, decided to take an early retirement to pursue his dreams of becoming a professional writer and published author. Richard is a leader in the computer industry, serving as vice president of consulting at Software Technologies and Bet Computer Systems before settling down as Director of Computer Operations at Trader Joe's. During his 20-year tenure at that esteemed company, he focused on computer security and preparing for the possibility of disaster. Now, in addition to creating hundreds of articles for you know websites and blogs, he actively works as a professional ghostwriter. In that role, he has completed books on a wide variety of subjects, including memoirs, business volumes, and novels. And his in-depth background in software management and computer security, um, Richard has ghostwritten a number of major books in those areas. Now, um, with regards to some of the other things Richard does, he's an avid uh, adventurer. He's been a photographer for much, much of his life with a focus on nature, scenic performance, and event photography. And uh, he's currently working on a large number of short Kindle eBooks on a variety of subjects. Beginning um, this year, uh, the first of a 10-volume series of uh, a fiction novel will be published. So stay tuned for more information about that in later in this show. Now, <clears throat> I guess, you know, Richard is here to share with us some wonderful information about LinkedIn. So I would just like to take this time to welcome Richard Lowe to Blissful Living. Welcome to the show, Richard. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Great. Thanks. It's good to have you. So, um you know, with all this personal branding stuff and, you know, social media and, you know, you've got so many things out there now beyond Facebook and, you know, you've got Twitter, you've got Instagram, you've got Snapchat, you've got all these things. But particularly LinkedIn, to me, stands out in a different context of all of that stuff. Um, why would you say LinkedIn is so important in today's professional career in business arena? Well, as a manager and a leader, if you give me your name when we connect, the first thing I'm going to do when I get back somewhere where I can work on a computer is I'm going to look on LinkedIn and look you up. 
I'm going to see what it says about you and if it says good things about you or bad things about you. Not having a profile means something. Having a, a crummy profile means something else. And having a really nice profile means something. That's without even reading the information. That's just looking at it and going, okay, this guy actually put some effort into it or not. And then um, that's literally the first place I'm going to look is LinkedIn always because it really it's the professional place to be. It's that, That's what it is, and that's where everybody looks. So basically LinkedIn, you know, you've got all those other social media avenues out there, but for the more professional, Professional, and I would want to say, I'm going to say the most professional uh, social media uh, icon that we have out there would be LinkedIn. And if you're somebody looking to establish yourself with professionalism, you definitely want to set up a LinkedIn profile. Well, you want to set up a LinkedIn profile, and you want a very, very professional LinkedIn profile. You don't want to just um, throw your resume up, which is what a lot of people do, or just fill in some of the blanks with random things or something that doesn't make sense or something that's not really doesn't present you in the best light. You want you don't do it at all if you're not going to do a really good job. So because, what do you what do you mean uh, by like um professional um you know professional profile on LinkedIn versus just a regular profile? Can you just well, give the like, you know, a bird's eye view of what that looks like? Sure. You would have a good picture and that's a professionally taken picture headshot with good lighting, not a sna not a selfie, uh, nothing silly like that. Not something that you cropped with somebody's arm still in the picture. Um, don't do that. Because <laughs> I, I do this for a living. You can imagine what I see. Not, I can imagine. Not a picture with a cemetery in the background or a bar or anything like that. Because that makes that makes you look like whatever that picture is, and that's the first right. thing that somebody's going to see when they're searching for you is the photo. The second thing is the headline. They're going to see this headline, and it's going to tell it tells it's got 120 characters, so it's even less than Twitter, to tell people about you. And you've got you put in a few keywords, your title, and a couple of keywords, and that tells like mine says, ghostwriter, for example, is one of the keywords. <clears throat> so somebody immediately knows that I'm a ghostwriter and that I'm an author, and that I'm a computer security person. So these things are listed in my headline. And then your summary needs to be very, very well written, and it's written from in first person. It's written as if I was talking to you, if you were looking at it. Mm -hmm. It's not written in third person like resumes are, because LinkedIn is about you, and it's as if you're sitting in the chair across from me, and you're telling me all about your, who you are and what your brand is. And it should tell me what your brand is your personal brand, and we'll get into that in a minute, I'm sure. Okay, yeah. And, um, and then the rest of it should support what you talk about. So if you say you're a writer, then the rest of the LinkedIn profile should support that you're a writer and not get into other things that don't support that, that main thesis. Now, you can have multiple themes, multiple brands um, to a certain extent, but they should, everything should focus up to that. And eliminate the stuff that doesn't. And, and that's, gotcha. a, that's a good profile. Now, if you don't do that, so a lot of people, like I said, just throw their resume up. And that doesn't look very professional because that's not what it's for. Right. Right. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> now, with regards to your experience and, you know, you, this is what you do. You see all the time. You, I'm sure you've seen some stuff and you probably not now, but when you first came across it, you were like, Really? 
you put that up there and you're trying to represent yourself and you're trying to get business from people and you got that up there, right? Um, what, um, with regards to your experience with LinkedIn and uh, how a person can really target or find their, their like unique little brand and really display it on LinkedIn appropriately beyond like, you know, their profile and their stomach, what, what would you say that a person should do? You mean when they first get on LinkedIn or with their, when they're trying to figure out what to do with it? Well, when they're trying to establish themselves in a particular, ah. uh, like, brand. I'm going to say, like, for instance, we'll just use you, like, you know, Ghostwriter, okay? Um, do you have anything – do you post anything on LinkedIn that if someone goes on there and sees your profile or sees your feed, so to speak, will know, okay – from what you post, he's a ghostwriter. They would know that. You know what I'm saying? They would know your, what your brand is. Right. Well, the first thing you have to do before you even touch LinkedIn is sit down and define exactly what your personal brand is. And keep in mind it's a personal brand. It's not generally your company unless you're very, very strongly, like you're the CEO, unless you're very, very strongly identified with your company. It's you. It's not your company. It's not your hobbies, it's not your Facebook profile. So this is this is about you as a professional. So let's take me for instance. I'm a writer. I'm um, I'm a best-selling author of Focus on LinkedIn. I'm a ghostwriter. I also do WordPress websites and things like that. And I wanted all this to be in my LinkedIn profile. So I had to figure out what my brand is to tie it all together. And my brand is uh, I do all of the Everything you need to support yourself as a writer, I can do. So I can create the author platform, which is the website and email list. I can help you write your book. I can write your book for you as a ghostwriter. I can publish it. I can do all of those things. So that's my brand really is the, the all-in-one all stop shop for publish or getting your book done, whether you're a business or, or a professional. And I will also mm -hmm. help you brand that book, help that help you with branding that book and you together so that um, that the book itself and all the other things that you write reinforce your brand. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so say, for instance, this, yeah, go ahead, Richard. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. So that's the, that's the thing you have to do first is establish what that brand is. And a lot of people, they come to me. I work for a company called LinkedIn Makeover which we do professional profiles, and they come to me and they don't know what their brand is. They think they know, but they have five or six different things. And you can't do that on LinkedIn very easily. LinkedIn supports one brand for per person. Mm -hmm. You can't have multiple profiles. So you have to boil that down into what is your brand? What, what, what sells you? Are, are you um, a diplomat? Are you a, C, a CEO of a, a robot company? And, and you boil it down even more into something that applies to your audience. But the definition of a personal brand is really important. The def you could consider it in real life. When somebody looks at you, that first impression, you're wearing a, 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 you know, a nice attire, business suit, or something formal, not necessarily very formal. You're not dirty. You, know, you brush your teeth. Those things you could relate directly to a personal brand on the Internet. That is your personal brand, your first impression that somebody's going to see when they look at you. So when they look at your LinkedIn profile, that's what they're going to see. Is this guy messy or is he clean? Is you know, is, right. is his brand focused or not? Is he talking about all kinds of scattered things or is he very on point? And you want your profile to be on point because otherwise the person who reads it gets kind of a weird wishy-washy message, and that's not good because he's going to go somewhere else. Gotcha.
So, yeah, if the message is confused, if, if the message with your branding is confusing, then you're not going to, you're not going to be able to capitalize on that person that may be interested, just don't know what really, they can't decipher what you really do because you got a lot of different kind of things up there. Correct. That's okay. Now, with regards to doing your profile, and, and all of you guys out there listening, you know, hopefully you're taking notes, and this will help you to, um, as we go along and chatting with Richard, it's going to help you to take some of the stress out of creating your profile or going or taking some of the stress out of going back in and editing your profile so that you p- appear, as Richard's saying, and appear more professional with um, being able to display exactly what your brand is or what you do to those that may be looking at your profile. So. With regards to um, <clears throat> the important parts of um, your summary, I know you mentioned like having a really good photograph, and I yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, can you just it just I know you you gave some examples of what not to have, but can you just share with everyone out there why it's so important to have a more professional headshot versus maybe a full length shot? Well. Head, uh, faces are very interesting. People see faces and they see expressions and they see smiles and they see stuff like that. First of all, LinkedIn is a square photo, so you, you can't really do a full-length photo. And you don't have a lot of room. It's, it, it's just a teeny tiny little photo, like a posted stamp. So a headshot shows up best. A full-length photo tends to also be harder to make look good. Um, where On a headshot, you can kind of focus in and maybe not – have any flaws show up, you know, some like me, I'm you know, a little overweight or something that shows up really well in a, in a full length photo. And I don't necessarily want that to show up. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, yeah. In a headshot, that's not going to show up and you want to be smiling uh, unless your brand is not smiling, unless you know, you're like a clown maybe or something or, or, you know, a horror actor or something like that. You, you definitely want to be smiling. And one thing about smiling that a professional photographer will tell you, and by the way, I'm also a professional photographer is you think you're smiling, but the camera doesn't see it. You actually have to over-smile, and actors know this. You have Stage actors know this very well. You have to overact for the audience to actually get your acting. So when you take a photo, you, you think you're smiling, and you're not. And that's why it's important to have somebody else do the photo. Not And selfies not only look bad, but you think you, you don't really get a view of what you're doing. Right. You want to be looking at, at or near the camera, not looking down. Looking down signifies weakness, so you don't want to be looking down. That's afraid. You don't want to be challenging the camera, of course. So smile, and then good lighting. And good lighting is something a professional photographer knows very well, and amateurs don't. And if you have bad lighting, it can make you look 10 years older, easily, it's especially sunlight. Bright sunlight can make you look 20 years older, and you don't want that. No, you don't. <laughs> that's a, good, that's a nugget of gold right there, you guys. Pay attention to that. Okay, repeat that one more time for us, Richard. Bad lighting can make you look a lot older in a photograph. and I mean, a lot older because you, you, the, the cracks and crevices and crow's feet and all that show up like you know you don't believe. And <laughs> I, Yeah, and I, I learned this very fast when I was photographing dancers is you've got to have good lighting or they look right. older. And, boy, dancers don't like that at all. Uh-uh. <laughs> women, we don't like that at all anyway, so, yeah. Right. Right. Well, most of the dancers I photograph were women, so there you women. go. <laughs> so they didn't like that at all. So you got to, um, if you're going to fo- 
photograph outdoors, you want to do it in towards the evening or in the early morning, not in the bright, sunny day, because that will make you look old and washed out and haggard and tired when you're not. You don't want to be that. Also, if you use a flash, you'll get flash marks, which are the bright spots on your cheeks and, and any place that has the oil on it, and that will make you look kind of weird. And red eye is a thing to be aware of, and professional photographers know all this stuff. You can pay the 100 bucks for a headshot or whatever it costs. It's not that much money, especially if you're a professional. Go, go do it. Don't try and cut corners because that headshot is going to make or break you. Right. That's the number one thing besides the headline. The number one thing is the headshot. I'm going to look at that, and I'm going to go, lousy photo, goodbye, unless I'm right. really interested in the person. And and that's the number one thing. I, I, you know, great, great information. Go ahead on. Yeah. Not only that, today in this digital world, get a lot of photos from your photographer and then pick the best one or two or five. And you don't have to keep the same headshot all the time. So maybe you get four or five from your, your photographer, pay an extra 20 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever he charges, and then change it once in a while. So it's not always different. We'll get into changing your profile in a minute. But change it up because sometimes a photo may work. You may think it works, and it doesn't work. So get a few. Mm-hmm. And Love it. Um, you know, uh, again, more nuggets of gold. You know, he said, get you know, make sure you pick the right lighting so that you don't look older. Um, you know, spend the money to get a professional um, picture of you done. And, and not only that, get multiples. So have a photographer do multiples, and then you can pick and choose. Or you can, you know, switch them up periodically just to – to keep your, you know, keep it fresh, so to speak. But make sure you get really good quality uh, headshots uh, from a professional photographer if you're going to post and, and get your stuff going on LinkedIn, or if you have a photo on LinkedIn that you're hearing really should be changed to give you that more professionalism and represent the true brand that you want to uh, put out there. You know, hey, good, very good information, and it really won't cost you a lot may not cost you anything if you, you know, you can connect with the right people to do that for you. So, you know, you talked about, okay, you talked to kind of a little bit about the headline with regards to it, you know, you know, making it stand out as to exactly what you do and what your brand is. And we talked about the photo and how important it is to have a really good professional photo done and how you should be looking, the type of lighting that should be utilized with the professional photo so that you stand out in, quote, unquote, your best light, so to speak. But um, is there another part of the LinkedIn profile um, that a person should um, um kind of sketch out before they, you know, I know you talked about the summary and the opening, so to speak, but is there, you know, is there another part of the profile besides like getting a professional headshot and, you know, making the, your headline be, you know, a, an attention getter, so to speak, and it speaks about what you do. Before we get to the summary, is there something else in there that a person can add that, you know, may make somebody like want to continue taking interest in looking at their profile? Yes. On the summary and all the experiences, you can include graphics and videos and slideshows. So, um, for example, on my profile, I have several videos of people uh, holding up my book and talking about it for a minute, saying how good it was and things, testimonial videos. Uh, you 
to have a video of you interviewing somebody on your profile. Uh, I did a profile for somebody who did a leather factory that was under construction, and he did a three-minute video that was a tour of the leather, fa leather factory. These things are awesome for, for helping your brand. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to do. Video and slideshows, and you can also include documents and other things on all of the various portions of the, of the profile, really help with people. People look at they like visual. They like looking at things. They love videos. Videos are big nowadays, and they're easy to do. You throw it up on you. you take a quick video and throw it up on YouTube. Make sure it's reasonable quality, but um, it's better to have a video there than not have a video there. It really, really, really helps having a few videos. Oh wow. Okay. So um, even if it is, what about the video someone takes with their iPhone or have some? Say I'm. I'm going to use me, say I'm speaking at an event or something and, you know, someone has an iPhone and they're taking the video of a segment of what I'm talking about. Would something like that suffice or should it be like the pers the videographer in the back that's got the three cameras going and uh, can give me a two-minute snap? I mean, of course, I know that would be better, but I guess what I'm asking is the iPhone video um, okay to post on well, there if you can clean it up a bit? You could post it on there as a fan sent this to me, and he was so excited about the show, and you can see, Baba, you know, you can, right. you can type, okay. type it that way. I wouldn't necessarily recommend putting up an amateur video normally, but from from a fan's point of view, yeah, an amateur video would be great, I think. Uh, like if you were a rock star or something, having a fan video, the fan took this of me while I was there, and he kind of did it, and not supposed to, but he sent it to me anyway, and it right. looked pretty good, and that 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 would work wonders. Okay. But, but normally for like a CEO or something, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, we're hoping the CEO of their company can afford to have a professional video done. Now, okay, you just opened up another question for me because I'm thinking about my LinkedIn profile and I've got a ton of professional videos, but never really thought of posting, you know, any of me speaking or engaging or teaching a workshop or whatever on my LinkedIn profile. How would one go about doing that? Is there is there is there a way um, we can go on go about doing this? You know what? I'm just gonna log on to LinkedIn while I'm talking to you, so I can be a little bit more. Is there a way we can? Um, is there a simple way to go in there and do that with regards to your profile, or um, can you just touch on that yeah. for a little bit for us? Yeah, it's actually utterly trivial. Trivial. First of all, you load it up to YouTube or one of the other video services. I use YouTube. And then you go into your LinkedIn, and, write, and you, when you edit it, right under the edit, it has several buttons that are different kinds of media under summary and the experiences and schools, I think. Uh -huh. And you just put in the link, and it goes out there and looks it up and then pulls in a, a picture, and you type in a little description, and you're pretty much done. It really is that fast. Oh. It, it's okay. very fast, um, very easy. So it's a very, very simple thing to do. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. The only downside is it's not very configurable. You you pretty much are stuck with what LinkedIn gives you, which is you can't change that photo that it that it decided to do. You can't change the format. It it does it for you. But other than that, it's easy. It, it's so simple that it's almost trivial. Oh, okay, cool. Well, thank you for sharing that because I didn't know that you can post a video, and uh, now I know that I'm gonna I'm gonna have to update my profile and and you know get some. Um, some video on my my profile so that people can you know see just a little bit more about me and and what I do. Um, it's great, great, great information. Now, one caution on video: make it short. Yes. 
Yeah. 30, 30 seconds to two minutes at the most. Perfect. So don't put up your full show. Just you're just teasing people. You're not giving them. You're not giving away the farm. <laughs> don't put up the whole hour, right? Just like yeah, yeah. 30, thirty this seconds, is, minutes. This is a marketing spot. This isn't your show. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Perfect. Got it. Perfect. Thanks. I, you know that again. Another nugget of gold, you guys. He just not only told us about video and how to use it, but he also told us how we could upload it onto our LinkedIn profile. So uh, hopefully you're taking notes um, or you may just have to re-listen to the show, which is quite all right with the both of us. Now, um, what do you need to do before you even start working on your LinkedIn profile? Because, you know, the majority of people just go to LinkedIn, create a profile, and like you said, you get pictures that are selfies and, you know, all kind of stuff that probably – they don't know is not what they really how they really want to represent themselves. So, what does a person need to do before they even start working on their LinkedIn profile? Well, the first thing to do is to gather up the information that they need, such as their resume. And a lot of people haven't updated their resume in forever. I mean, I was very bad about updating my resume. I've been at Trader Joe's for 20 years, so who needs a resume, right? So, get your resume, get it updated. That's a, that's a good place to start because you're going to want to okay. use that as a reference. Um, I don't do resumes. I haven't done them in a long time. I mean, I did mine. My recommendation is hire somebody to do resumes. It's a few hundred bucks. I think three or four hundred dollars. You can get a good resume done. Resumes are it's, a, it's an art to get them recognized. But this show is not about resumes. Right. Um, but get your resume, get it together. So start from that. Now your LinkedIn is not your resume, but your resume has information that you're going to need. Get any other kind of documentation that you want. Decide on your personal brand. That's always something you need to do. What are you trying? What's the audience you're trying to get? Who are you trying to get? Is an important question. Are you looking for recruiters? For me, I'm looking for customers. I'm looking for people who want to buy writing services, books, and so forth. So that's my audience is generally managers who will pay enough to buy a ghostwritten book from me, which, by the way, aren't cheap. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'm not looking for somebody who doesn't have have money. I'm looking for people who have money. So that's an important important thing. I'm not looking for a $1,000 book. I'm looking for a lot more than that. So one of the things is who's your audience and who is not your audience is also important because there's people you're going to exclude. If you've ever been in sales, wasting that hour on somebody who's not going to buy is just the worst thing in the world. And you, your LinkedIn profile can help with discouraging that if you write it right. Okay, this guy, somebody looks at it and, okay, you know, I don't need Richard services. And that's great because I didn't waste that hour talking to him. Right. Uh, so that's one thing to be aware of is you can also use it to exclude by how you write it. So gather up all your information, get your picture taken. You can Actually, the picture can come later. You probably want to take that after you get your brand defined. Define your brand. Define who your audience is. And um, what's the overall purpose? Are you looking for a new job? Are you looking for customers? Are you looking for um, vendors? Are you looking for any number of other things? What are you trying to get? And that will help you write your summary. And your summary is next to the picture and the headline, the number one most important thing in the profile by 100 times. That's the most important thing. Hmm. Repeat that. That That's worth repeating one more time. The summary is, besides the picture and the headline, the summary is the most important thing in your 
LinkedIn profile by many, many times. It's more important than anything else because normally it's the only thing somebody's going to read. They're right. going to look at your picture and they're going to immediately decide, I want to talk to this person. They're going to look at your headline and they're going to decide, okay, maybe I do want to talk to this person. And then they're going to look at your summary. And the first paragraph of that summary, they're going to decide whether or not they want to continue reading. And the second paragraph, same thing. You've only got four or five paragraphs. And you better hook me or I'm gone. That's, that's gotcha. the thing. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So now, can LinkedIn be utilized? Um, they have just, you know, you know, people. I know you. People utilize it to job seek, so to speak. Uh, people utilize it to connect with others that might be quote unquote in their industry or to expand their reach outside their industry. Um, what are some of the the most um, I want to say? successful ways that people utilize LinkedIn, LinkedIn beyond saying job seeking? Uh, well, a lot of the customers that I get are actually not job seeking. They're looking for customers. They're looking for clientele. So they're actually trying to pull in a different class of people. They're try, uh, maybe the vice president of the, the leather factory. He's trying to pull in people who want to purchase space in his leather factory to do leather works. So that that his successful action is to create a LinkedIn profile that attracts not not people you would think, not people who are going to buy leather, but people who are going to buy space in the factory. So that was a very interesting profile to write. And then you've got um, people. Sometimes I get customers who just want to brand themselves. They just want. They just know that. They're the CEO or the CFO or some big name in their company, and everybody's going to look at them, and they want to make sure that that profile shows them in a good light. So they're actually just branding. They're not actually looking for anything other than to satisfy curiosity. That's why it's important to understand what your message is and who your audience is and what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Yeah, I, I see, because if you don't know that, it'll again, come across confusing and uh, maybe a little disjumbled and um, will lead people to click off your profile and go on to the next versus becoming more engaged and possibly, um, you know, entertaining the option of connecting with you on a, um, you know, on a more uh, professional uh, outside of link, LinkedIn um, arena. So, very, very good information. Now, you know, we're talking about all the things that you should do right with regards to LinkedIn, your photo, your, you know, your headline, your summary, adding video to it to entice it. Are there are there anything with regards to getting in? Um, you know how people, uh, I think it's they endorse you or they, you know what I'm saying. Is that the right term I'm using for LinkedIn where they endorse you or they've, um there are, there are two things with LinkedIn. You can get endorsed yes. and their recommendations. Okay, yes. Talk a little bit about each of those for us, please. Well, by far the most important thing is getting recommendations. I'll start with endorsements. Endorsements is you, you put up some skills. So you, you get this list of skills. Yeah, I'm a writer, a ghostwriter. I could public speak. I'm a photographer. And then LinkedIn prompts other people to say, yep, he's a writer. Yep, he's a ghostwriter. And this gets kind of conglomerated into a list of skills. And the only purpose of that is so that when I look at your profile, I can look at that list of skills and in a couple of seconds go, okay, okay, she's a radio show host. And indeed, 99 people agree with that. Right. And okay. she's a public speaker. And that's all, it's, that's all endorsements do is for okay. that glance. 
oh no, she's not what I need. She's not a writer, so I don't, I don't need to talk to her. The gotcha. recommendations is far more important. You, if you can get recommended by people, get recommended. I would recommend as many as possible, 50, 60 recommendations <coughs> if you can. And those recommendations need to be from influencers and people higher than you on the org board as far high as you can reach. <clears throat> so if you can go all the way up to the CEO of your company, go up to the CEO and get him to recommend you. If you can find um, uh, you know, the, somebody who has spoken publicly about whatever industry you're in and they're very well known and they've written books and they've been on TV, then get him to write you a recommendation. But there's actually a trick to it. You don't actually get him to write you a recommendation. You write it for him because you can ask for recommendations. So you say, mm. I would like a recommendation, and here's my suggestion. I just got one of these the other day from somebody who transcribed one of my books. She wanted me to recommend her, and she said, here's what mm -hmm. I recommend. And she wrote a paragraph that she thought would be really good. And I changed a word, and I sent it back to her. What it does when you write it for them is – you're talking to somebody who's the CEO of a you know a billion dollar company or a person who speak public speaks all over the place. They're really busy. Yeah. And they might say, "Sure, I'd be happy to give you a recommendation." And then it gets it sits on their inbox for the next six months. If you write right. it for them, all they got to do is copy and paste, and they're done. And click the link, and they're done. And you're much much more likely, like fifty times more likely, to get that recommendation if you write it for them. And oh. just so you know a, a secret in books, when you write a book for somebody, when you write a book, you want to get somebody, uh, an influencer just like this, to write the forward. You write mm -hmm. it for them. You write the forward for them, and you say, here's my recommendation. And then they, of course, modify it and send it back to you. But you've already done half the work, so you're more likely to get a forward back. Right. Okay. Oh, I love that. I never thought of, um, you know, writing the recommendation and then, you know, asking for it or, you know, writing it and then sending it to the individual. And you're right, because I've had people done that, do that to me where they, you know, want me to give them a testimonial or a recommendation or something like that. And it's like, I see it, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll get back to that later. Let me take care of, you know, X, Y, and Z that's going to generate revenue for me. And then sometimes, you know, the end of the day comes, I forgot, you know, and then another day and so on and so forth. And pretty soon there's a few days that have gone by. And then it's like either it pops up in my memory when I'm getting ready to go to bed or I'm in bed going to sleep or, you know, somewhere during the day where maybe I'm at the gym or driving in the car. And then it's like, oh, I'll get to it. And then it just, you know, sometimes it just life catches us and it just never happens. However, if someone sends me an email with, you know, hey, I wrote, I, you know, I ask you, I'm asking you for a recommendation. This is something I've written. Feel free to edit it, and if you could send it back to me, that would be great. It, you know, the work is done for me, so I'm either going to look at it and be like, oh, yeah, quick, send it back, or let me change, like you said, a couple words, and boom, it's, you know, it's done, and, and it's, you know, out of my hair, and I've taken care of them, and um, I feel good, and, and they feel good, and, you know, it, it works out perfect. So that's great. I, I love that information, and just simply to ask those people, you know, better influencers that are higher ups, you know, just keep asking and, you know, doing what you just said and, you know, for sure the recommendations. Now, okay, so I've done that. I'm going to say I've done that and I've got maybe, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, going for a hypothetical here. I've got maybe 75 recommendations. What is that really going to do for me when someone looks at my profile? Is it going to give me more credibility? Um Tell, tell, explain to the listeners why that 
that is so important beyond, you know, of course, um, what you shared, but why it might compel someone to seek a little bit more into what you do. Well, here's the beauty of recommendations is by the time I get to recommendations, I've already looked at your photo. Yep, it's fine. Headline's fine. I've read your summary. Great. I've started your job experiences, and I get down to the recommendations. So I've already gone through quite a bit of your summary, so I'm already interested in you. I, you, you know, nothing there turned me off to the point where I don't want to see anymore. And then I see you got 75 recommendations, and I go, holy cow. And I start looking at them, and they're all People, some of them are names that I recognize, authors, speakers, politicians, you know, whatever. And I, I, I'm impressed. These, all of these people thought that this person I'm looking at is, is worth recommending. They took the time to do that, and they wrote good words about her. It, it, it will probably seal the deal is what it is. First of all, they had to get there. It's actually pretty far down on your profile. So that person had to already be somewhat interested. This seals the deal. The, the, oh, boy, he's a writer, and he's got 45 recommendations from satisfied customers. Wow. Yep, okay, I'm gonna, I want to talk to this guy and see if he's, really, if he's really as hot as everybody says he is, you know. Right. Uh, okay. The point to remember is somebody had to actually get there. They have, they're actually really interested already. And then that just really, I guess, pretty much solidifies the deal or, um, you know, with regards to it. Yeah. Credibility. You suddenly have credibility because credibility is other people saying, yeah, he, he delivered. He did this right for me. I liked him. He was good to work with. He was personable. He's happy. He, he got it done on time. He got it done under budget. In fact, he gave me a refund. You know, it's the same thing on eBay if you're selling on eBay or if you're selling on Amazon and people write the little comments, the feedback comments. This right. was a good seller. This was a good seller. This was a good seller. You look at that on Amazon, especially. You look at before you buy a video. You're going to look at the comments and think if someone else is a good video. Well, you do the same thing with people on LinkedIn. You find out if that person has any recommendations at all. And then the recommendation that you don't need is people below you on the org board. You, you don't need people who don't have names. People who aren't influencers. I mean, it's not, it doesn't hurt. Right. But. If somebody works for you, especially, their recommendation is absolutely worthless because they work for you. <laughs> right, exactly, right. If yeah. um, if they're not influencers or high-level managers or something like that, it doesn't carry as much weight, or customers, it doesn't carry as much weight as somebody who has a name because you want the names to be recognized in your industry. That mm -hmm. really, really helps. Now, it doesn't okay. hurt to fill it in with a few lesser names or lower people, whatever you want to call it, lower on the org board, not lower people. Um, <laughs> it doesn't hurt, but it doesn't help all that much. But just as important is the other way, um, recommending people. Recommending people gives you, believe it or not, credibility because part of working in teams is helping your team players, helping your other team members. So if I... If we connected on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and I gave you a recommendation, and she was a great talk show radio host, went very well, very personable, then that gives me credibility as a team player and as somebody who is willing to go that extra mile and give that, that recommendation. So that's important also. The other thing to do with, with recommendations that you give is it puts my name in your profile which means if somebody's looking through your profile, they run across Richard Lowe, Ghostwriter. Holy cow, I need a ghostwriter. And they click over to mine, and they're looking at my profile all of a sudden. 
Gotcha. So it's good. And search engines love links, by the way. So if you have 50, if you give out 50 re- recommendations all over the LinkedIn, that means that's 50 more ways for Google and LinkedIn to find you. Oh, okay. And it builds your credibility with the search engines as well. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, giving recommendations as well as receiving them, uh, they're both very beneficial. You should be giving more than you receive. If you have an action plan for LinkedIn on a day-to-day basis, I would give two recommendations a week if possible and ask for one. Give more than you receive. That's that's Uh, the key to networking, and that will really come back to you. Mm. Perfect. I'm writing all this down because I think, you know, this is information I definitely, um, you know, need to do um, that I haven't really put much effort into, you know, other than just what I do already on LinkedIn, you know, as far as really capitalizing on how it could potentially help me so much more. um, Really, really good information. I I never heard of it. Okay, so great info on what we should do and how we can create all this wonderful credibility and really take some of the stress out of connecting with people and, you know, engaging with people and having people wanting to connect with us. What should you avoid doing on LinkedIn? Spamming. LinkedIn is very big on not spamming, and spamming would be connecting to people that you don't know. Don't do that. If you don't know them, assuming they're not a lion, I'm a lion, which means I'll accept a connection request from anybody, even if I don't know them, or at least I won't mark them as a spammer. Because on LinkedIn, you can actually, when you get a connection request, you can say, this guy was a spammer. If LinkedIn gets more than a few of those, it will freeze your account. And you have to actually email back and forth to LinkedIn support to get them to unlock your account. I think it just locks out your ability to connect. It's never Mm -hmm. happened to me. So you don't want to be sending connection requests to people who you don't have a relationship with already of some kind, even if that relationship is just a handshake at a trade show, just to have some kind of belief that they're not going to mark you as a spammer. One way, there's a lot of ways to get around that. You start becoming very active in groups on LinkedIn, and you can put a little tagline in your group on each comment that says, feel free to connect with me, and get them to connect with you. They can't um, say you're a spammer if they're the ones sending the connection request. Right. So you get them to connect to you. You start becoming known in groups as a person who answers questions. You start posting your videos and posting them publicly. Uh, And actually, to answer that question even a little more, part of your daily routine on LinkedIn should be making, there's a status update thing, just like there is on Facebook where you can share an update. You can give a little status on what's going on in your life. Do that two or three times a day. Uh, I'm on the Internet a lot, and most people are, and you read an article that's of interest to your, your audience, write a little paragraph that says, I found this great article on, on how to write a novel, and I thought it would be of interest to all you guys, and here's the mm. link to it. You do that two or three times a day, and it's really easy if you're on the Internet because you read it and you just got to copy the link and write a sentence or two. Right. People will start to connect to you because those are public. You can make them public. People will mm-hmm. really start to connect to you because they see that you're, you're giving to the community of the, of the world of things that they're interested in. And I'm, I'm getting 30 or 40 connection requests a day, um, partially because my book got published and partially because I'm doing exactly that. 
Right. Oh, I read you, I, you post a lot of articles. I like that. Uh, keep doing it. And uh, by the way, I want to connect with you. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, th- there's times where I get a you know a ton of uh, requests, and then there's times where you know it's a little bit more quieter. So um, I'm I don't I'm not posting two to three times a day, but I do try to keep it actively engaged with what I post. Um, because it is, you're right, it's, I have a link on my phone. So, you know, if I just post a blog article or something, I could easily just, you know, go on my phone, click my, you know, LinkedIn app, open up my, you know, profile, post something about this wonderful article that I've written um, and post a link on it. And, you know, it's amazing when you share information, how you start dialogue and people begin to engage. It's it's a beautiful thing. I have a, one other question. I have a question with regards to um, groups, you know, you can have all these different groups that you join on LinkedIn. Do you have any suggestions, recommendations, words of wisdom around that? You bet. Uh, LinkedIn has the concept of the network, and you have a network. Now, if you have a free LinkedIn account, your network consists of the people you're connected to and the people they're connected to. So that's too deep. If you have a paid account, the, the lowest level paid account, it's three deep. So it's the people you're connected to, they're connected to, and then they're connected to. Plus everybody in all the groups that you're a member of. So those are the people that you can send an email to, an in-mail, a, a LinkedIn mail, for free. If they're not in your network, it's 10 bucks. Worse yet, it's 10 bucks for them to send a message to you. Now, nobody in their right mind is going to pay $10 to send you an email message. Oh, they are. <laughs> so basically, crazy. it's a way to discourage random messages to random strangers. They have to at least be in your network. Well, because groups are part of your network, what you want to do is find large groups that are your target audience as large as you possibly can and active. So go through the loop, the, loop, the groups rather, and how many members are in this group? 200, <laughs> whatever, you know, 20,000. Okay, that's getting there. 100,000. Ah, that's the group I want. And join that group if it's part of your, if it's the audience you're trying to get. Those 100,000 people become part of your network, and there's no charge for sending these messages. And that means that, the, that those people are all potentially your customers, your employee employers, your employees, your vendors, whatever you're looking for. And then start the, you want to make sure the group's active. So that's the other thing. You take a quick look at the group. You know, the last message somebody posted was four years ago. Okay, that's not active at all. Oh, six messages have been posted today. That's pretty active for LinkedIn. So that's the group you want to join. Hundred thousand people, messages being posted all the time. And then you start mm-hmm. joining conversations. So throughout the day, answer a question or two maybe once a week even, spend, a, spend 10 minutes answering some questions or asking a question uh-huh. or posting a little bit of wisdom. And I usually follow, not all of them, but sometimes I say, and feel free to connect with me if you want to discuss this more or something like that mm-hmm. to get people to connect with me. I don't do it all the time because it's kind of weird, but <laughs> 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 but every once in a while, say, you know, feel free to connect with me. I, I, I enjoy having conversations. I don't mind people connecting with me, something like that. Right. And then then you get into a popular group, you wind up getting a whole bunch of connection requests over time because you're starting to be seen as somebody who knows what he's doing, who knows what he's talking about. Uh, And and that's what you use groups for is to make your network bigger and then to build that engagement with people who you may not even know. Right. 
them know who you are. That's what they're for. Oh, I like it. I, I tend to. Uh, um, okay, with regards to groups, how, because then I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been in groups, I've, I post, you know, to, you know, favorite wellness groups and things of that nature. Um, but there are some groups. How do you get out of a group that, you know, once was active and it's no longer, say, as active or the the members of the group don't seem to be in, as engaged or they, you know, they um, the person that, quote, unquote, started or owns the group um, has changed the criteria or whatever, and it just doesn't fit what you're trying to do. How do you disengage from a group? I think there's a there's a screen that lists all of the groups, and on that screen you can just say you want to remove yourself from it. It's pretty easy. LinkedIn is changing it all the time, so it's hard for me to go into. They've been changing groups a lot, but there's a button to, to leave, and, and you just click it and you're gone. Okay. Okay, so simple. So just as easy as you guys can get into groups, you can easily get out of those that you may dibble and dabble in or have been in, and it's just there's no engagement, there's no activity really. It's not what you thought or perceived it to be. You can actually get out of that group as well and, and, you know, check out another one, so to speak. Love, love, love this information. It's it's very, very helpful. Now, um. As as often as we get on these social media networks, we want to have as many connections as possible. Uh, of course, you want to have connections that are, I don't want to say bona fide, that's not the right word I'm looking for, but you know, connections that actually want to connect and engage with you. And I know on Facebook, a lot of times you can have, you can max out on how many friends you have, but out of the context of, I'm going to say, you know, max out on 5,000 friends, out of the context of those 5,000 friends, you may really only actively engage in 100 or 200 of them. Um, with regards to LinkedIn, um, how should you manage your connections that you have on LinkedIn? Well, first of all, you said you connect with as many people as possible, and it really depends upon your strategy. You you don't necessarily want to connect with as many people as possible. For example, if I'm a uh, I'm in a company, if I connect with somebody, that person has visibility to all of my connections, which means they might be able to see who my customers are, or vendors, or other people that I'm connected with, and then maybe steal a customer from me or something. You wouldn't necessarily give your customer list to your 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 um, competitors. If you accept them as a connection, you just gave your customer list to a competitor. So you want to be really careful with that, of who you connect with as far as competition. Right. That's one thing to consider. The second thing is is I get spam requests all the time. You, you've seen them, I'm sure. You, they, the request comes in, I want to connect with you, and they either don't have a picture or it's a picture that's obviously off the Internet of some beautiful woman, uh, you know, like it's them, and it's not. And it's like, you took that. You stole that off the Internet, dude. I can tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a watermark mm-hmm. on it. You know? <laughs> Amateur. <laughs> Amateur scammer, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, don't connect to them, obviously, because, you know, you don't really need that $4.5 million that the Nigerian prince has left here in the United States, and you're not going to get it anyway. Right. <laughs> Darn it. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you, if if they're not somebody who is helpful to to the, what you're trying to build, then you probably don't need to connect with them. One thing about connections is you don't just accept them. You want to accept them and then return a short message to them saying, "Thanks for connecting. 
what did you, especially if they're random, what did you find interesting about my profile that, that um, actually even before you connect, you might send back a message that says, yeah, I appreciate the connection request. What, what's up? You know, why, why, what do you find interesting about my profile that, that made you want to connect? And start a dialogue before you connect. Now, I get 30 connection requests a day. I'm not going to bother doing that, tell you the truth. Right. But it, it depends on if, if you don't recognize the person and you don't recognize the picture and it makes no sense to you, you can always ask them before you connect, what's up? What, why did you connect with me? Why do you want to connect with me? Use a little discretion. <clears throat> but I wouldn't spend all day doing it because okay. other than the competitor caution, it really doesn't matter because <laughs> you, right. you can always disconnect from them. <clears throat> gotcha. gotcha. And I, I think your question was more of do you need to do any trimming? I don't yes. bother. I don't bother to trim my email, my list. I do on Facebook. I got 4,000 friends on Facebook. I keep bumping into that 5,000 limit. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> every once in a while I have to go through and, and then, and, and then there's the ones who get into the rabid political arguments. They get um, they get deleted from my Facebook. Yeah. Need that stuff. <clears throat> and so I do that. And on Facebook or on LinkedIn, rather, if I find that they're posting unprofessional things, mm-hmm. political argument to me, political discussions, if they're not a politician, are unprofessional. And if they keep doing that, goodbye. Don't need you. You know, or any kind of inappropriate material or, or things that belong more on Facebook. If I see that, I generally either unconnect with them or just hide them so they don't have to look at them. You know, I'm going to share this real interesting thing, and then we, and we're almost at the end of the show. But, you know, it's funny. I utilized LinkedIn a, a while back, a couple, maybe three years ago, and I did uh, requests for uh, – I was going to do a telesummit and I, uh, for particularly, the you know, health and wellness. And so I did a request out, and, you know, I was originally going to have six people on the telesummit. Well, I got like, oh, my gosh, over 250 requests. It became a project because I wasn't expecting that kind of response. And so I you know, had to weed through people, and you know, I ended up utilizing 18 wellness experts from all different fields. It was wonderful. Everybody had a good time. It was well-received. You know, everybody benefited from it. But what was interesting was in the context of me putting a request, I also had, did a post, um, an update, so to speak, as to something I had posted and got the group really engaged in dialogue. However, there were two people in the group that had a difference of opinion. Um, one was a physician who his opinion I believe was valid and correct, and another person was someone in a multi-level marketing company that, quote unquote, the, what they were marketing or selling was a you know wellness thing. Okay, and it was so funny to me because I would look at this conversation and they were going. I mean, she was like going at this doctor, and he was really coming off really professional, really kind in his you know responses back to her, and I just was like, do I really want to deal with? seeing this, but it eventually played out. And then some people were just really crude and crass, and I just, you know, deleted them. But it was it was just really interesting. Like, sometimes I'll post something, and then it's just me posting a, a wellness information, like, you know, taking shatavari, the herb shatavari is a great female, female tonic, um, you know, and it's an herb that is really good for tonifying the female body. It's good for our reproductive system, something like that, right? And someone, you know, posts something, and then we get this dialogue going, and then you get some, like, nuts on there that just go off the left in and it, it it becomes like wow i'm just well let, let, let me let me tell you about that 
there's this special kind of person on the internet called a troll. Are you familiar with trolls? Uh-huh. They used to trolls. hide under the bridge with, from the billy goats. <laughs> well, a, troll on, a troll on the internet, it's a word for a person on the internet who likes to throw um, horrible comments into a conversation in order to create a fight. So they will come in and purposely put inciting comments, racial comments, and things like that sometimes. I mean, bad comments to just get people to argue. And then they'll just sit back and laugh and watch it go and occasionally throw in a bad comment. And nobody remembers that they're the ones who started the argument. Because you've got this huge argument going that might take up 100 people on this, this conversation thread. Trolls are are um, an interesting breed, and as soon as you find them, you you remove them from your contact list immediately because they're awful people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is what I found out. I mean, it was it was very interesting. Well, Richard, I would love to continue talking because I just I have a ton of notes, and I'm sure the listeners out there, you should have. I have one, two, three pages of notes that I took, and I use LinkedIn, and I you know I knew I was I thought I was pretty good with it, but of course there's I'm not the LinkedIn expert. I just do it because I like leaving information that people can utilize and, you know, sharing information and, you know, things and events that people might be interested in. But, um, you know, based on the three pages of notes that I took, um, apparently I've got a lot more work to do that I can really hone in and really expand my reach on LinkedIn in a more strategic way. So, Thank you, thank you, thank you, Richard, for sharing this wonderful information with us and being a guest on Blissful Living. It has been um, tremendous to have you, and I wish we had more time because you seem like you just have a ton more to share. And, of course, me being the type of gal I am, I have a ton more questions I would love to ask you. But um, we'll just maybe have to bring you back for a part two. and uh, maybe we can bring you back and you can talk a little bit more about your ghostwriting because um, I am a – uh, international best-selling author and published author and all of that good stuff. And nice. uh, one of the um, one of the books that I wrote was done uh, by a ghostwriter because it needed to come out really fast, and I I was really busy, so I had already had a contract in place, and so I needed to get it done. And I used the ghostwriter, so it was a great great experience. So maybe we'll get you back to talk about some of that as well. But for now. Richard Lowe on Blissful Living has shared some tremendous information about how you can how you can really utilize LinkedIn in a whole different level that's more strategic, more professional, and gives you the look and feel that you want to have when you're representing yourself on LinkedIn. And with that being said, I want to thank all of you for listening. It's been a pleasure to have Richard Lowe on the show. It's been a pleasure to ask him these questions. And of course, it's always a pleasure for me to bring you guests on Blissful Living that can reduce or eliminate stress from all aspects of your life. Who knew that setting up your LinkedIn profile could be stressful? You may have experienced it and said to heck with it. I'm just going, what up, what's up there is up there. But uh, for now, you got some good scoop, good information, and that should take a little bit or possibly all of the stress out of you creating a phenomenal LinkedIn profile just based on what Richard Lowe has shared with us today. So until next time, everyone, I'm wishing you peace to your mind wellness to your body and tranquility to your spirit have a beautiful rest of your week and your weekend and take good care and we'll chat with you very soon take good care and please share the show with everyone that you love and care about you never know who this information might be beneficial for and may help them expand their reach and take whatever they're doing globally take care everyone and goodbye for now you can find out more about Rochelle on her website Rochelle Lawson R-O-C-H H-E-L-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N. 
or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.